This is Hunt Nebraska, the official podcast for insight into Nebraska's hunting and shooting sports community. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, our space for sharing stories, information, tips, and techniques. Now, Hunt Nebraska. All right, guys, we've made it. How to Deer, this is episode uh, number six. This is one that we added on before we kind of got everything put down on paper and started recording this. But uh, welcome for those that are listening to us, whether you're in your car, your home, your house, your office, wherever it might be. Uh, appreciate uh, being able to go along for the ride, but also those watching us on YouTube. Uh, as you can see, for those on YouTube, we've got a little bit different uh, different digs that we're working on here. We're changing things around, getting to the, uh, the Hunt Nebraska cabin all set up and, and ready to go. So that's going to be fun. But this is episode six of How to Deer from our Hunt Nebraska podcast. Remember to jump on Facebook, give Hunt Nebraska a follow on there, and make sure you uh, give us a subscription, subscribe, follow, whatever you want to do on your, your favorite uh, audio podcast uh, app, and uh, make sure you get that so get notifications of, of when we drop our next one because this is just kind of wrapping up this series and we're going to jump into a whole bunch of more fun stuff here. But this one is called Holy <laughs> I Got a Deer. That is one thing. I think that there are folks out there that would love to try deer hunting that just kind of get uh, a little bit nervous about what do I do if I actually get one. So real fast, though, before we, we jump into uh, that conversation, we got to introduce our experts, Jeff Rollinson. He's with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. Jackson Ellis, also with Nebraska Game and Parks, Hunter Education, and Kayla. Now you can actually see our I, super finally, stream producer, finally, yes. Kayla Gattikin over here, uh, and uh, we were able to track down a fourth mic. Did you notice that? As soon as she's on camera, she got a microphone. You've been on every episode, just I not have. on every episode. You've been in every episode, just not on, yeah. Oh, Behind yeah. the scenes. Behind the and scenes. And she does some magic after the episode. As well, so a lot, a lot of magic, yeah. <laughs> which is which is great. So uh, uh, this one here again, this is something that I think intimidates some folks. I well, mean, sure, you get any any critter down, you harvest that, make a good shot, archery, muzzleloader, rifle, it doesn't really matter. And now you know you got to do something, and knowing exactly what to do kind of makes folks nervous uh, at times. So uh, uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some of the uh, ways that uh, well, things you got to do legal. Things you got to do and should do to, to make sure you get some good quality uh, wild protein there in the uh, the freezer or on the on the table. And we get into a couple other things as well. But kind of walk us through this, Jackson, right after the shot. I mean, for most people, they realize they make that good shot. It's And I got to go get that deer. How do you do that? Well, are you talking firearm or bow? I mean, we, we kind of let's break start. them down a little bit differently. They're, I mean, it's kind of the same principple, but there are some some differences let's, there. Let's, well, I, well, I, it doesn't matter for me. I do the yippee dance with the bow. Yeah. I put the firearm down, do the yippee dance. It doesn't matter to me. I, I get pretty excited. I and, definitely, I, I got to take a seat real quick because it's, I, oh, yeah. that's when the adrenaline Oh, hits. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm well, usually, if there's no adrenaline, you're, you're doing, doing it wrong. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and one thing that I'll say is uh, it's exciting. I mean, I think there's times even now uh, when I know I made a good shot, it's kind of like, cool. Yep. That, did that really happen? Because deer hunting's a lot of waiting, a lot of patient waiting. Strenuous you anticipation. Know, there you go. You know, did I, my scouting work out? Did I put my stand in the right spot? Is everything uh, happening? Is the wind coming from the right direction? Are those deer going to be moving through on this trail? Uh, and when it comes together, just like, cool, really cool. But it is almost like, wow, did that just, that just happen? Uh, so, yeah, let's start. 
alphabetically, let's start with archery then. Okay. Yeah. So the big thing is, is try to get a feel for where that arrow hit and where that deer went. So when you're, when you make that shot, try to have a feel for the angle the deer was at, try to get a feel for where that arrow entered, see if it exited. Um, I like lighted knocks. I think they make it very easy for that. Um, and then where that deer went and how it was acting. Um, you can get a very good feel for how, you know, uh, what kind of shot you made based off of uh, the reaction that the deer gives you. See, it's spoken like a true bow hunter, isn't he? You know, right? Gun hunters, I'm like, punch in the tag. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're done. Yeah. But you're right. You're exactly right. There's a lot that goes into that right after the shot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think about those steps. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, and even if you know you've made a really good shot, just like it, it, it shows to in the Hunter Ed manual or, or online or what have you, you know, archery, you don't just start trailing it right away, do you? No, no. Even even if I know I've ten ring that deer, if I didn't see him go down, it, her, whatever, if, uh, if I didn't see it go down, I'm waiting at least a half hour. That, that gives myself some time to calm down, really think about the situation, um, and then uh, try to go find my arrow. Um, but it kind of depends. It, it really is kind of situational. But uh, it, the big thing is, is where to go. Give it a little time, and then slowly start to dissect exactly what happened. Try to find your arrow. Try to find that first point of blood, um, and get a sense for for where that hit was. Because your arrow in that first that first uh, blood spot can really tell you a lot. That's a good point. So, what would be different in a firearm situation? Um, uh, I guess there's not really a ton difference there is there. Yeah, not really. You're gonna yeah. go through the same motions now. Yeah, you yeah. know, obviously, you might have you might drop a deer faster with a firearm just because of all the shock and trauma, but not really. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times you hit a deer with a firearm, they're gonna run a little bit too. So you kind of go through some of that same scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I do a lot more archery hunting nowadays, so I'm trying to I'm trying to backtrack <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but. yeah, and and I think one thing is sometimes uh, what's kind of surprised me on both, but maybe more so on archery, uh, and, and this is where the light of knocks kind of helped me out is you can hit it just perfect, and it's almost boom. I mean, they make might jump like they got stung by a bee and just go back to being a deer and, and wander off like, did I really hit? Mm-hmm. Did I, I really get that deer? I've seen that with the firearm too, but probably a little bit less because there's a transfer of energy there yeah, where that, that shocking, sharp shocking broadhead eye. just slides right through. But but I, but I think that the key point here is that it's all shot reflection, right? As soon as you make the shot, rifle, pistol, muzzleloader, archery, doesn't matter. You know, you, you should go into that immediate, which we all kind of do, that immediate ref- reflection mode. What just happened? Did that just happen? That was cool. Where was the shot? How'd that deer react? You hit the nail on the head. I think it's the same for no matter what you do. Yep, yep. And you can tell, you know, with the with a rifle, he's more about how the shot felt to you, what the what the crosshairs yeah. looked like when yeah. the gun went off. Yeah. Whereas with with archery equipment, um, you know, you can see that impact point. Hopefully, a little yeah. little bit better, anyways. Yep. All right. So we we do the blood trailing. Yep. And uh, there's some videos online and and things like that we can point people towards. You know, the the color of the blood can give mm-hmm. you an idea. Uh, if you don't know exactly where that, that projectile or arrow hit, uh, bubbles in the blood and, and all that type of stuff. But let's say you find that deer, Jeff. All right. First thing that you need to do when you get up and, yep, I, I, I was successful. Here yeah. it is. I've, and, and again, I'm going to be more methodical than, than what you might be thinking. But the first thing we do is we find that deer and make sure it's approach it in a, in a manner that's safe and make sure the deer is actually expired, dead, so that uh, uh, 
that's not an issue there. And then, you know, methodically, I'm going to make sure that the, the bow, the archery equipment or the firearm is rendered safe before I do anything else. And, and for the firearm, that means open the action, unloading the gun, setting it down you know, away from the animal, you know, archery, you know, putting the arrow back in the quiver, setting it aside away from the animal. Uh, but then I have a dead animal down there. The first thing I need to do is I need to get out my tag and I need to punch the tag and I need to, I need to, uh, put the day to kill, sex, and all that. Yeah, walk us through that. What does it mean to cancel a tag? Yeah, we're canceling a tag. You're basically saying that, you know, I've got this tag. This is my permission slip to take, you know, that particular animal. And when I cancel the tag, I'm saying to the world that I took that animal on this date, uh, and it was this animal. And what that does is it allows everybody, on, you know, from law enforcement to, uh, to, to the check station or what have you, allows everybody to understand that, that you understand you're, you're, you're done hunting on that permit. You've ended that permit because you took that critter. And so, and it's really one, maybe one of the more overlooked things, but it needs to happen right away. It's not something that happens on the way to the check station or after the check station. Uh, it needs to happen right there on the ground. Well, going even a higher view of that, there's a really cool thing that happens there when you cancel your tag. Because that animal goes from being public property <laughs> to yours that's, to being that's, private you property. You got it. And that you, is yes. that's cool. Good point. I think that's really cool. As soon as you cancel a tag, that's your animal. Right. It yeah. doesn't belong to the people anymore. It belongs to you. And yep. that is cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's cool. That's a good yep. point. Uh, and, and something else to keep in mind, this is something that needs to take place before you move that animal, before you start field dressing, which is what we're going to be talking about next. It needs to happen as soon as you know you've got that 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 critter it's it's in your possession so to speak and it, that makes it a, official uh and best way to do that just poke holes in it with your knife you got a pin nearby uh, i know Something sometimes permit. you got to scratch it out some way to make it make it uh you know noticeable so that's you get checked by a conservation officer you can prove now don't forget that photo that is a big one we, well, i was we, gonna say mm-hmm. next we, step we carry that uh that cellular device with us now we call it a phone but we hardly ever use it as a phone we use it <laughs> as camera we use it as entertainment we use a lot of different things but make sure you snap a photo uh and and real quick jeff i know there's right ways to do that and wrong ways so that you have something that you can look back on it's like oh that was a good time or one of you that uh, when you show other people, they just kind of, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. nobody wants to see it. And, and the best way I can say is honor, honor the animal, you know, and if you, if you can shoot a photo with dignity and honor the animal, uh, you'll have no issues. But you yourself, if you don't shoot a dignified photo of the animal, even you yourself are going to go back and go, eh, you know, that, that's, that's, yep. I, I don't remember the hunt like that. You know, you're going to see it and go, that's not how I remember it. It was a little more dignified than that, but it won't, won't look as good. So, you know, little things like, you know, blood, you know, there's blood when you, when you hunt, cause you're killing an animal, there's blood, but, uh, clean up the, clean up the scene, clean up the animal, or even move the animal to a, a scene near, you know, just over out of the frame so that, uh, in a new frame so that you don't have, you know, blood in the scene that tongue's always hanging out of the scenes. You know, I like to put tongue back in a lot of guys will debate that. I don't care to debate like tongue back in. I want that animal to look dignified like it was before I shot it. Yeah. And, uh, and so put tongue back in and uh and then my position i'm not a big fan of guys straddling the animal like they've conquered it you know i don't ever feel like i've conquered it i you know i feel like we both we both you know played this this game of wits and i just happened to have the upper hand today doesn't mean i would have it tomorrow but i don't want it to look conquered i want it to look like i've got a majestic animal here and i absolutely respect this animal and so to me it's beside the animal holding it you know holding it up by the head or the antlers or what have you and uh and, and it's pretty simple but it sure looks a lot better in photos in years to come. And I think it looks better there out in the field before you field dress it. That's yeah. why kind of yeah, why we're reminding everybody the the truck. <laughs> at that point, rather than in the, yeah, in the driveway, in yeah. the garage, in the, on the tailgate, that type of stuff, you'll get some of those photos because uh, you'll have uh, friends and family that might snap that, but also, Hey, 
yeah, make it look alive and, and capture some of the habitat in which you were hunting in uh, and where you found it, which is which is pretty good. All right, we got to jump into it because this is what a lot of folks are really uh, wanting to, to jump into, field dressing. Now we know we've got to do something. We've got our, our pictures taken and our permit canceled, all that stuff. And I remember back in Hunter Ed or I remember someone talking about, all right, got to get the guts out, got to do that, that field dressing, that processing, whatever you want to call it there in the field. Uh, Jackson, I know Jeff brought his knife, so we're going to get to him here pretty quick. But but what are the basic uh, field dressing things you take to the field with you maybe every time you go? Yeah, no, I've always got them in my backpack. Um, I've got a little bag that I carry. It's got a, 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 a bladed knife, so a, a strong um, – I don't like the gut hooks. Just That's just never been my thing. But something like – I like a drop point, good drop point knife. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a, a scalpel knife, so I've got one of the replaceable blade scalpel knives, and then a uh, about it's about a five-inch bone saw, uh, T-handle on it. And uh, those are the three things I, I keep uh, – um, my license is in there. I keep my, uh, I, I do have some gloves. I don't always use the gloves, but sometimes I, it, they get used. Um, and then, um, I keep, what else is in there? Um, some paper towels Good idea. and, um, zip ties. Zip ties. What do you use the zip ties for? So I use the zip ties for a couple of things. Um, one to fix the tag. Um, so I, as long as it's not raining, um, or whatnot, when I, I want to f- fix the tag to that animal, um, you know, you can keep it on your person, but I was, that was always something that we did when I was a kid is we put the tag on the actual animal. Um, and some States do require that. Yep, so, they do. um, but that's, that's kind of my, my field dressing kit there. All right. I'm a big believer in gloves. I don't know about you, Jeff, but I, I find that as soon as I start field dressing anything of any size, my nose itches. <laughs> And there's nothing worse than, than having stuff on your hands and, and having to rub your nose or scratch your cheek or anything like that. I've gone to the point, and this is probably from some of the, the mentor hunts and, and uh, new hunter programs we put on, I have the uh, the shoulder-length exam gloves. You can find at a lot of tractor or farm and ranch-type stores that go all the way up to your shoulder. Now, folks, they they feel like bread sacks on your on your hands. They are not form fitting by any means, at least not the, the cheap ones that I buy. And so over top of those, I take those little nitrile gloves uh, that kind of pinch things down and that I'm able to operate just a little bit. Got to take those out with you. So I just kind of roll them into each other and, and use them to help maybe grab some other pieces and things that need to come out as well. But uh, I'm, I've become a big believer in that. Jeff, do you have anything else you want to add to that you list? Know, you know, you, you guys hit the nail on the head. The only one of the other things is I always have a headlamp with me. Because it's sometimes it's just inevitable. You, you know, make a kill in the evening, and by the time you get to field dressing, you know, it, it, the sun's starting to go down. It's getting a little dark, and it's like, oop, hit that, put that headlamp on. You know, now back in the old days, twenty years ago, I'd have a flashlight in my mouth, and uh, I'd drooling all over the thing. You know, with the headlamp, on, it's just so much slicker now. You know, you put the headlamp on, and you can clearly see even at twilight. You can just clearly see everything, uh, and and just go to town. So um, that'd be that'd be my addition. You know, we had those in our our nice to have section, yeah, our gear yeah, to deer earlier, yeah, yeah. and I think I think. It may be more of a necessary thing, especially when you get a deer. Even if you've got somebody above you holding the flashlight and you've still got your two hands, having that that headlamp right on your head and being able to light up exactly what you're looking at. Because I know the people who are holding that flashlight, and they got the attention span that I got, right? And so by the time I move up here, they're still looking in the woods and looking up. Oh, hey, oh, you know. So, yeah, I like to have I like to have control of the light. Yep. There you go. I And to be honest with you, failing all that, folks, the other thing I would do is just make sure you hunt with a butcher. 
because they are really good at, at bring field your meat, dressing. Bring your processor with you. That's yep, right. Yep. No, no, uh, I, I know just a few people to do that. But all right, Jeff, here we go. Step by step. We're going to do this step one. Where, where are you going to go? Uh, and where are you going to start on this? We got our gear. We got our knife out. We got the, the critter down. Uh, what's step one? Okay. So once the animal's down, step one is I like to lay the animal on its back as best I can. And, uh, and, and if I'm out with a bow, I certainly need to judge whether the arrow made it clean through or not. Are there broadhead blades inside the animal or carcass that I got to worry about or not? Uh, I've had that happen a, a few times, you know, arrow broke off in the animal. So I try to determine if that's the case. If not, I'm clear to go. Step one, lay it on its back, and then it's going to start, start to make incisions. Now, uh, you can start up at the neck and work your way down, or you can start at the bottom and work your way up. Uh, What's the Jeff Rollinson method? Jeff Rollinson way is I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of ways of doing this. Uh, I will usually start down for a, you know, at the bottom, uh, literally at the bottom. At the well, bottom. just okay. about, just about. Okay, all right. I'll usually start down uh, in the scrotal area, and I'll open up uh, an incision right around the, the scrotal area of the deer, and uh, make you know, and and I can remove those those uh, uh, sex organs. I leave the sac there on a on a buck, or or you know the um, the uh, the outside skin on a doe there. But I'll start down there, opening up that that uh, skin, and then take that skin all the way up uh, to the stomach area and up to the chest. And then I'll have a muscle uh, a, a muscle area there that I'll come back in, and I'll take the knife and zip that back up as well and just completely open the animal. Now, once I've done that, and I can go in there easily after that and separate the esophagus, that's one of my first moves once the animal's open, is I reach in there and I grab that esophagus and separate that esophagus. Everything's pretty much connected from the esophagus all the way down to the, to the end. And so I'll start pulling that esophagus off and kind of teasing out any any connective tissue, uh, diaphragm connection below the lungs and whatnot, and just keep teasing that out. Now, before I'm done, one of the last things I'll do is go back to the bottom, and uh, the uh, the uh, sphincter muscle, if you will, needs to be separated. Otherwise, everything that comes out is still connected at that bottom. The poop shoot. You the gotta, poop shoot, yeah, that's you gotta right. Go, you gotta now, they that. make tools for that. There's a tool called a butt-out tool, and uh, which is a good tool. It works really great. Uh, I will tell you, it, it's... I've learned it's not acceptable to put that in the dishwasher when you're done to get it clean, but uh, who'd, have not, who'd have thought? But uh, but that thing works really well. It's kind of a couple twists and pull out, and you've got that whole that whole uh, um, that whole uh, membrane separated. But you got to cut that out around the anus so that you can separate the the rest of the organs as they come out. And I just from the esophagus on down, just keep removing organs, and then. One of the last things I'll end up doing at the bottom is the pelvis and the pelvic girdle, the pelvic bone uh, on both sides needs to be needs to be cut and separated. Now, is it a must? Maybe not. You can work around it, but it's a lot harder. If you just cut that thing, like Jackson said, a little T-handled saw, and just cut that thing open, now that pelvic, which is sitting like this, just splays open, and everything can come out pretty easily from that point on. And I just keep working everything out from the esophagus on down, just keep pulling it out with my hands, working it out, and uh, it, it'll smell, and it'll, and it'll be slimy, and it'll be hard to you know grab onto everything. But uh, and and it pretty comes pretty much comes out all connected pretty easily at that point. It probably the whole process. Maybe takes a few four, five, six minutes uh, to do, uh, depending on the deer. Now, when it comes to the sternum, uh, especially on larger deer, uh, where you, you I want to get up inside that sternum to separate the esophagus because I don't like to leave that much esophagus inside the animal. So a lot of times I'll actually take my knife and split right up the sternum of the deer, and uh, there's a soft tissue going up that sternum, and uh, I'll take that knife and just kind of cut right up that sternum so I can open that chest cavity all the way to the base of the neck. If I'm going to mount the deer, that's a different story. What We, we do yeah. things different, but then I can reach in there. 
And Jackson, this is probably where you use that that bone saw you were talking about, right up through some of that yep. pelvic girdle and the uh, up through the rib cage. The, the bone saw is for the the, the pelvic girdle and for the chest. Yeah, you know, you can do the knife oh, with yeah. the chest. It'll work just fine, but, but big deer, it really gets tough. It and does, and it dulls your knife. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, the so Jeff talking about knife, uh, and we'll ask both of you. You know. Some people think, all right, you know, I use a, a seven-inch fillet knife on a fish. Yeah. All right, and a deer must need lot, a sword. Lot bigger, <laughs> lot bigger than a yeah. uh, than a fish. So, but to be honest with you, you know, I don't use that long of a knife on a deer because yeah. one, as you're talking about zipping up through, and you kind of mentioned that you're you're not going through a whole bunch. You're not going through six eight inches of of deer in that. You're probably going through, you know. Yeah. Less than an inch. Yeah. Oh, for sure, less than an inch. And, and and you're exactly right. Three to four inches on a fixed blade knife is just about perfect for deer. You start to get beyond that five, six inches. You just got more knife getting in the way, to be honest with you. Uh, because, you know, the longer the blade, the farther you are out working on the animal away from the tip at the edge of that blade. The closer you are working the animal with that blade, the more leverage and control you have over the knife. And so three to four inches is just about perfect on a fixed blade. I like fixed blades because they're just easier to clean. Uh, I've, I've done lots blades and whatnot they're just a pain to clean because you get all kinds of stuff inside of them and that's just not fun to clean out uh this has that we call it the gut hook but it's more of a zipper really um you know so i i, I use knives that have a little gut hook or zipper on them and i can just invert that and just zip right up the animal and i mean it just cuts beautifully and the nice thing about it is when you're cutting over that stomach area uh, on a deer opening up this you got you're gonna go through hide then skin and then you've got the the, the uh, fat and muscle layer and uh, some for some reason people get the hide and skin open, but that fat and muscle layer is a challenge, right? Because all of the all the internal organs are pushing hard up against that fat and muscle layer, and bulging out against that fat and muscle layer. So uh, sometimes I'll actually take my two fingers and put them up under there, and then slide the knife up with my fingers and make sure I'm not nicking any stomach or intestine. But with the zip the zip blade, I don't really need to do that. I just put the zipper down in in the uh, in the cavity there and just start pulling up, and it just just zips it right open. Then if I if I miss the muscle layer, I can go back and zip open the muscle layer, and I've never nicked or hurt anything on the on the um, internal organs. But if you're going to actually just use a regular knife without a, a, a zipper on it, uh, a gut hook, then you know it really works to get your two fingers under there and keep lifting that 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 skin and or fat layer and muscle layer away from the organs so that you're cutting away from the organs at all times so you're not nicking those organs. Because you think about that body inside that deer, it's a very sterile environment until you opened it up. And the least sterile is, is the intestines, the stomach, and all that. Outside of that, everything else in there is pretty sterile until you open up the air and start, start meddling around in there. All right, all right. Anything you need to add, Jackson? No, I think you covered it really well. Oh. I mean, it's 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 really hard to listen to this and get a feel for yeah. what it is. So if you've never done this before and you're listening to us and you're going, "What the heck are these guys talking about?" Yeah. You know, it's uh, watch some videos, listen to kind of our tips and tricks that we're yeah. going to share yeah. here, yeah. and then you get go out and do it. You can let them get off that easy. My goodness, don't hit the stink gland. My I mean, I, don't hit the stink gland. Yep, there's. <laughs> You, you covered it pretty pretty dang well. I mean, you 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 start at the at the genitals, work your way back to the anus, make that incision up. Uh, make sure you don't nick any of the guts. Um, you know, with a with a deer that I'm not going to mount, I take that incision all the way up to the chin um, and get as much of that esophagus as I can. Yeah, good you know. point. What do you do different, Hershey? 
Oh my God. Like I said, I find somebody else. I fake the old football injury and like, all right, Logan, take it from here. Uh, no, I think it's one thing that uh, we need to reiterate. If you haven't done it before, there's not a whole bunch you can do that hasn't been done and probably won't be done again this fall, this, these, uh, this deer season. Uh, it's really hard to completely mess it up to where you can't come back. We've all been there. We've poked the bladder. We've poked the, uh, the stomach, uh, anything like that, the intestines or, or things like that. Not the end of the world. It's going to take you a little longer. That's fine. And as Jeff said, it's going to stink. It, it's There's a reason those are mostly things we don't eat inside the deer that we're taking out uh, right there. So you just have to be ready to go for it. And once you do it a time or two, it gets just that much more simple. It gets less self-explanatory. Less intimidating. And I change mine up just a little bit all the time, depending on how far I need to take that deer out, which is something we're going to be talking about here soon. If I got a long way that I got to drag it, I'm probably not breaking the, the pelvic bone. I'm not going up through the, the rib cage. If I can drive up and, and or it's a short drag, then you bet I'm cooling that deer off, off pretty fast. But this is a good question, Jeff, and I know you've been studying up on this because you've got some deer hunts taking place in pretty rugged country perhaps this year out in western Nebraska. There's places where it might be a mile walk in uh, to where you're going to hunt. And if you're successful out there, you're not putting this deer on your back and just, you know, giving it a piggyback right on the way out. You can actually do some quartering of that animal legally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is that here in Nebraska? What are the regulations yeah, on that? That's a good question because especially in the tall and uncut, that can become a real issue. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to be the person that has just game meat to check in. That doesn't cut it, right? So you don't want to have that because that's not very identifiable, just having game meat. And so we have to have some identifiable characteristics on that animal. Yeah, and that just goes without saying, makes everybody's job a little easier. And so uh, when we talk about deer, uh, we, we quarter down, we can, you know, we're separating out from the loins and the, the quarters. And the quarters have to be naturally attached to the scapula or the femur. And so as long as you're quartering out a deer in that manner, you're going to be safe and legal here in the state of Nebraska. Uh, anything be- below that, you have to have that deer checked in. Uh, first and uh, and that's just for deer but uh, uh, again you know one of the things that a hunter always wants to think about is you know how can I make a game warden's job easier right and if I'm standing there with a pile of deer meat that didn't make his or her job easy at all because who knows what that is I mean that doesn't say anything but to to do that uh, correctly pretty easy for everybody to identify what's going on one of the the uh, phrases I've heard is you're going to make a game warden guess I guess you're getting a ticket (laughs) <laughs> it's probably pretty truthful. Yeah. Well, there, there's a chance it doesn't go your way if you make yeah. them guess, right? Yeah. So make it obvious. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's some good stuff. They're now getting it out of the field. I know when you and I did the learn to hunt uh, duck workshop uh, a couple of weeks ago, you're a big believer in carts and sleds and that type of stuff. So what's the easiest way for Jackson to get his deer out of the, out of the field? Well, the easiest is when I can drive right up to it. But Boom. a lot of times I do not have that option. So um, I, I keep a game cart in the back of my truck pretty much all season. Um, got it ratchet strapped into the, the bed of the truck, and it's ready to go. That's per, my preferred way of doing it. Um, I got lucky and got a really good one. It's lasted me quite a few years. So quite. Don't, don't go cheap on those things. Yeah. I found that out. I've got a cheap one at home. And I don't know what four foot two individual it was designed for, but you got to kind of hunch over just to push that cart without anything on it. Much less when you when you add a large land mammal and do it bef- uh, assemble it before you get out into the field with the deer on the ground. Yeah, uh, two years ago, yeah, we, me and a buddy and my wife were trying to put this together, and thank God my wife was there to give us the instructions because we were weren't about to read the instructions, and it was not going well. Until but but she, again, if you don't heed that 
that rule. Headlamp. Headlamp. <laughs> headlamp. Have the, have the headlamp. <laughs> Pretty darn important yep. at that point, too, isn't it? Well, and, and then I've also done uh, uh, the deer, uh, sorry, the duck uh, sled. So I've sled. got a, you know, a heavy-duty sled for all my duck gear, and that works excellent to throw a deer in that. And, um, yeah. and Some of those sleds are wide enough, boom, it just fits there. But I've also found some rope some straps, something like that to keep that, that critter attached to that it is important. doesn't usually come with the cart. Uh, at least they're not all that usable at times, but uh, having that extra, because I know there's been more than once where uh, you see hunters pulling a cart out of the, the, uh, the trees and they're both missing belts. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're having to strap it down on well, there. I found the best place to pick a hunting buddy is the gym. If you go to the gym, you're going to find a lot of guys and gals that are just perfect for the job, right? And they probably have no problem hauling that deer out of the field. Yeah, I can something, tell you that. Okay. Something right. to be said. Makes a lot yep. of sense, yeah. Jeff's yep. hitting up the gym. All right. Uh, keeping it cool, dry, and clean. That's something we stress in Hunter Ed, and that's obviously something you're going to want to do. Uh, what do you think are some of those those misconceptions about cleaning deer? You know, I hear people getting the hose on it. I got to spray it out and that type of stuff uh, or hanging or things like that. What are some of the, the um, you know, things that people might do wrong once they get that deer out of the field, Jackson? Um, the, the, the biggest one for me is like, like you said, um, rinse it out. Now the only time I rinse out the cavity is if I made a mistake while field dressing. So um, otherwise I like, like you said, cool, dry and or cool, dry and clean. So you want to cool down the meat, um, getting the guts out and opening up that body cavity is going to be the best first step for that. Um, and then, um, the other misconception that you hear a lot of is put a bag of ice in the cavity. Um, it helps, it does do some good, but that's also adding moisture to the equation. And so if you don't have to, I, I would advise not, you know, that deer, temperature body temperatures you know somewhere around 100 degrees and so it's going to start cooling off and especially when you get one in late october november december january uh the natural processes are are, are better than, than not and jeff i know you've worked some check stations here in the state of nebraska that we're going to get to here in just a, a moment or two but uh you've also seen the pile of deer that sometimes come in to those those check stations Oh, yeah. uh, and I know that's one of those things you got to have a way to drive it back. You got to get it to the check station, but piling one warm deer on top of another warm deer, any problems with that? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think you just uh, outlined the problems, Hershey. Uh, and again, it goes back to the basics, cool, dry, and clean, right? And uh, if you're going to violate those, you're going to have problems. And uh, whether it's the cool part, the dry part, or the clean part. And, uh, you know, the worst thing you can do is pile, you know, meat on top of meat that's already warm because it's going to trap that. It's insulator. It's going to trap their, each body's insulating the other. And I've seen those with the trailer pull, pulls up or even the truck pulls up and they've got four or five deer back there. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, they're hunting, you know, hunting group went out and got a lot of deer, a lot of success. But on the same token, uh, it, it's not doing you any good to follow, you know, to helping you follow those three elements, cool, dry and clean. So. I've been impressed at how sometimes you, you start sorting through those in the middle and they're almost warmer than oh, yeah. they were on hot. the hoof. Yeah, hot. Uh, uh-huh. Especially when it's we got a warm year. Now, talking about deer check stations, telecheck, check stations, walk us through that when we need to go and do which one. Sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, when it comes to it, you know, the check, check in a deer, uh, and, and telecheck has been awesome because it's just one of my favorites, right? It's pretty, pretty, uh, easy to do for bow hunters and, yeah, and uh, muzzleloaders and whatnot, but, uh, you know, the telecheck where you're able to just in the field call in the information and check in your deer, pretty slick. When it comes to the firearm deer season, 
It's an actual physical take it to the check station. Now that entails going to a check station near near uh, your hunting area uh, and uh, and bringing physically bringing the carcass to one of our, our staff or biologists that'll be there, and uh, and then we'll be able to look over the deer, take down some information, and uh, verify. Uh, all the information is correct from you, and then go ahead and issue a seal. And that seal is a, a, a metal band, if you will, that's affixed. And once it's locked on the leg or the antler, uh, you can't unlock it. You can't pull it apart, and it's part of that animal. Uh, uh, so that when you're transporting that animal, everybody knows now that you've officially checked that animal in. That's the one that was at the check station. And uh, and then you're legally you're good to go. Then you can take that deer to a processor, or you can take it home, bone out the meat, take it back to camp, or, you know, whatever whatever you want to do. But uh, those are pretty important pieces of it, and uh, and there's a timeline you know, with with that as well. You don't have weeks or months to check in a deer, and uh, I believe with firearm deer season, it's uh, um, what is it 40, 48 hours following the close of the season. So uh, you have a specific timeline, and that's something you need to keep in mind because uh, our our biologists want to make sure they get the, the best information possible. Uh, and and the neat thing is, jump online. You can grab hold of the uh, the current deer hunting regulations. It's got the list of those check stations for the November firearm deer season. That's the only time you have to take it to a physical check station. That includes folks that are fortunate. You can use archery equipment. You can still that archery permit still good during that time, even if you get it the night before, uh, and you're not able to recover it till that that those dates that the November firearm season starts. You telecheck's closed. It's it's off. At that time, you need to take it to a, uh, a physical check station. Now, there's a bunch of them listed here uh, that'll help you kind of zero in on where that is. If you're going on a trip to go deer hunting, always a good idea to, to kind of know where that check station is uh, for the, the way home or, or off you go there. Uh, and I believe that you have to have it checked by, is it 1 o'clock on the Monday after? No later yeah, than there that. You go. There you go. Yep, um, yep, yep. It changed a couple of years ago. Yep. yep. And so make sure you, if, if you've got any questions about that, you can always give us a call at, uh, at our headquarters, 402-471-0641. I've got questions about that. But that's some good information in there. Make sure you do it right. That helps our wildlife biologists. It helps uh, in the law enforcement side of things as well. It helps us as hunters uh, get a better idea of populations and trends and, and things like that. So so off you go. Well, and not only that, but check stations is just, just a cool place to hang out. It can be fun. Oh, my gosh. There's all these yeah. hunters bringing deer in. You get to see all these cool deer that other hunters have harvested. And you're, uh, they'll look at your deer, and there's some high fives. There's some pats on the back, you know. I know some of the stations actually serve, like, biscuits and gravy and breakfast. It's like, man, this is all right. I could hang out here for a while. And I have uh, hanged out, hung out at check station for a while. You'll notice that I some of the it. people coming to check in deer really take their time to see what other deer oh, roll yeah. in, oh, yeah. especially around halftime of the football game <laughs> or just before kickoff or something along those lines or in the evening, they just kind of hang out there. Some don't want to leave. <laughs> no. Oh no. There's a lot of neat, a lot of happy yeah. people there as, yeah. as well, oh, which yeah. is, which is kind of cool. It is, it's a lot of fun. It's a Nebraska thing uh, to say the least. Now we've got our deer checked, whether it's telecheck or during the November firearm season, we've got that physical check-in station uh, and we got the seal on it that metal seal jeff was talking about here's one i'm going to toss out uh and this one's fun we're going to probably have a whole episode on on this hanging deer do you hang your deer and if so how long if not why not so you got it done you're ready to go you can take it to a processor now who's going to ask for your, your your hunting permit information take down that seal number and do some things like that uh a lot of folks now i think probably more than ever 
probably skin it themselves and debone it, which is a completely different episode. We'll have to do that on a video sometime because that's that's a fun one, but it's also a little bit more in-depth than what we're able to go into in, in this podcast. Uh, hanging deer, Jackson, take it away. Do you hang your deer? I do when I have the opportunity and the time. So most of the time, how long I hang it depends on when my opportunity to process it is going to be. So I don't have like a set schedule. I don't have like, it needs to hang at this temperature for this long, for this many days. You know, I, uh, I do hang it. I do, uh, you know, it, it'll sit anywhere from one to, I think I've done up to three days. So I don't get too, too crazy with it. Uh, but j- the big things are to just make sure it's out of the sun. The sun will warm that up more than anything. Keep it in a cool, dr- dry place. Um, and then, yeah, hanging meat can be you know, really, really good for it. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right, Jeff. No, I don't. I mean, I hang it. You know, once I'm back to deer camp, I hang it. We have a like a we call it the the meat tree that we put our put a put our deer up in the tree and hoist them up by ropes that are hanging off the ground, uh, and and primarily so other critters can't get to them and they can just kind of hang there. And if there's any bleeding or whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's done in one spot. But uh, and then we can work on them there, and that's where a lot of times we've done a lot of our a lot of our um, uh, caping and whatnot uh, at that same spot. So in that regard, yes. But uh, for tenderness and all that, like beef cattle, no, I don't uh, uh, hang deer uh, for that reason. You know, there's a big difference between a, a deer and a bovine, right? In a, and uh, certainly we age, you know, beef and, and uh, you know, in those kind of, you know, I, to some extent bison even, but not, not nearly to the extent. And the reason is simple, you know, a lot of our, our beef has a lot of fat interconnective tissue and that's what kind of breaks down in, in the aging process. When it comes to deer, they don't have a lot of that inter- interstitial fat connective tissue in the, in the, uh, at the cellular level. And so uh, it's doing it not much good to hang because there's not a lot of that, that fat, those fat connective tissues that are actually breaking down. So therefore it's not really benefiting it much, you know, kind of the wise, the wise uh, assumption is, you know, after rigor mortis has started to f- set out, it's, that's, that's a good time. And I wouldn't necessarily argue with that. Uh, but outside of that, I don't see a huge benefit to, you know, 10 days, you know, 12 days. I, I don't see the benefit to that. See, this is, this is a fun one to debate because it's one of those things. There's some evidence on both sides. There really is. In fact, uh, we've talked to uh, 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 several folks that are involved with meat in the meat lab here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and they're split. Yeah. on it on whether yeah. they do it and if you can do it and if it works and all that type of stuff which is kind of fun one to get into i'm a big believer if that animal is really stiff that rigor mortis that's just part of the natural process uh after death you know i don't touch it i won't touch it because i do need it to one it's easier to work with when it when it loosens up a little bit however if it's hot which i'm not sure we have to deal with now uh, until the end of the season, you'll find out we're in short sleeves come November 13th or whatever. But uh, then it might be just kind of a race against uh, to get the skin off, let it cool off, and, and go from there. But uh, that's, a, that's a fun one. We'll have to get more into that just a, a, another time. But if you've got the ability, get it up there. That's easier to work on. But a lot of folks, even a lot working with beef, they don't hang beef that often. They use great big cradles uh, uh, process it right there on the table. So that's a good one. What else are we missing? We're kind of coming to the end of this 
uh, uh, session of it. But are there anything else that you really want to hit you know, on? You know, the only thing I want to hit on is is after the harvest, there's transport, and I always tell people, you know, there's there's do's and don'ts when it comes to transport, and and the 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 don'ts are just you know avoid transporting a deer so that everybody has to see it, and and uh, and you're dry, you know, I know guys will lay the tailgate down, drive around town, show off their deer. That's just not what everybody wants to see. And so uh, I just, you know, have some decor, you know, when it comes to transport the deer. Uh, and not only the deer, but yourself. I don't know how many times I've seen people come to check station and you can tell they got a deer. Uh, you know, if you can clean up a little bit, clean the truck up, whatever, uh, it just looks better. It just represents represents us better. So uh, just having a little bit of decorum when it comes to transporting deer. Uh, you made a great point there, and, you know, 99% of people don't want to see that driving down the highway. Nope. So it's uh, deer hunters don't want to see that. Exactly. We're, you, know, so. you, you want to set a good example. Yep. And, yep. Um, and the other thing is, is driving, you know, I think a lot of meat gets ruined when you're driving around town, showing off a deer to your buddies. <laughs> and so it's, it's something that you want to have a game plan. I got a deer. Here's the steps that I need to yeah. take. And it, then and it'll, it'll, you'll come out with better meat. Yeah. And that's a good point. If you'll treat that carcass now, like it's, supposed to end up being and it will end up being and that is some of the most delicious table fare you're ever going to have if you'll treat it that way from start to finish your your deer tastes delicious uh in fact some of the best deer steaks in the world uh that i've ever tasted come from my deer or others that have done that same level of 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 uh of um, uh, making sure that they they take care of the the meat uh, from from the time it's down actually before the shot all the way to the time it comes to the table a little bit extra work Incredible table fare. That yep. gamey, gamey flavor that yeah. people refer to. That doesn't to. come from the deer. <laughs> no, that, that comes from mishandling yeah, the carcass. Exactly. That, right. That's an Good excellent point. point. And I think uh, we're, we're going to have to do, Kayla, a whole segment on maybe processing what parts come from where, what you're looking for, and then get into some of the cooking and things like that. Because there's some great general guidelines that we can help folks with. But I think that's going to be a whole episode into itself so uh with that said guys i appreciate it that's been yeah, been some fun. good information here and uh for those that are listening make sure if you got questions go to hunt nebraska's facebook page and, and type them up get us in there you'll get uh, jeff and, and jackson's uh take on as well as kayla she'll set them straight uh <laughs> so make sure you get on facebook and give that a follow and make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you know when the next time we drop another one like i said we're done with the how to deer series for the most part here uh we might have a little extras to toss in there but the podcast is just getting started. Come on up back and hang out with us. And the only way to do that is subscribe uh, on your favorite uh, audio app so that uh, you know when the next episode goes live. Until then, get out there, do some deer hunting. Hunt Nebraska, brought to you by your Nebraska Game and Parks Commission.